Maximize Your Influence is your podcast for the latest persuasion, sales, and negotiation techniques. Our mission is to help you influence on command, anyone, anytime, anywhere. Your host is the author of Persuasion IQ, Laws of Charisma, and the best-selling book, Maximum Influence. Now, your host, Kurt Mortensen. All right. Thanks for being here. Appreciate your love and support, all your feedback. Reach out to me at Kurt at MaximizeYourInfluence.com for what you want to hear on the show as we continue with your Riz. What is your Riz ranking? Where do you rank in the world of charisma as we dive into Podcast 496? This is Maximize Your Influence. Hope you're having an incredible week. Putting more tools in that influence toolbox. And changing your income, changing relationships, changing the world, whatever you need to change, usually a sub-element of persuasion, motivation, influence, and of course, the mindset or even the riz. So let's kick it off with the... Don't, don't, don't! Blinja, is it the blunder, the ninja, it's me, kind of an interesting thing that happened. So I meet up with a friend and we go to this Asian-Mongolian all-you-can-eat restaurant, right? Everything's mapped out. They've got everything from the big Mongolian cook area to the sushi to the Korean food, a little bit of everything. So I'm a big fan of the Mongolian barbecue. There used to be one near my house in California, a little hole in the wall, but incredible food. I guess the Mongolians used to turn their shields over and cook in their shields. That's kind of the concept of the Mongolian barbecue. But anyway, one of the best things about Mongolian barbecue is the sauce. So I got mine ready. I was putting it in the bowl. I gave it to them. They cooked it up. I need more sauce. And so I went over to the sauce area. So I thought and put a little dark sauce on there. And I was eating, really enjoying it. And then I was going back later and noticed that uh, that dark sauce was kind of near the soft serve ice cream machine. It was the chocolate sauce. And I didn't even notice. I thought it was just regular, salty, dark, Asian food type sauce. But it was chocolate sauce on my food and I didn't even notice. Now, I didn't put a lot and I did put it on a corner. But that's the human brain. We see what we want to see. We taste what we want to taste. We hear what we want to hear. So is that a blunder? Is that ninja? Is that just human nature? I mean, I could put you into a room with a blinking light, dark room. There's no blinking light, but eventually you see a blinking light. What was it in Europe? A bear escaped from a zoo and people started seeing the bear? No, the bear didn't make it very far, but people were seeing the bear. Uh, UFOs are in this category. I put you in another room and I'm going to say, all right, you can start smelling things. And I start pumping in foul odors. <laughs> I'm not sure where they're getting the foul odors, but you start to smell these odors. Isn't that amazing? The way the brain works, three people see an accident and you get three different versions and they'll all swear by the version that's how it happened. Even with wine, for example, if I say it's expensive wine, it actually tastes better. Your brain triggers to have it taste better. There's a funny YouTube video at this restaurant. They have all these different types of waters from volcanoes from around the world. Actually, it's the waiter outside filling these bottles, these fancy bottles with hose water and people like... Oh, yes, you could taste the glacier minerals. It was hose water. But again, in their brain, it actually does taste better. It triggers different areas. I'll post that link under Maximize Your Influence under this podcast and uh, all the links and IQ assessments you need in one spot.
They've done those with pain pills. Well, you're the cheap ones. You know, they're at 10 cents a piece. Oh, these are three bucks a piece. The expensive ones worked better. Try this out. Although you didn't hear it from me, you know, pick a coworker that's uh, getting under your skin. Get two or three other coworkers together and just say, hey, are you sick? Are you okay? They're like, I'm fine. But by the time the third or fourth person says, are you okay? You look a little under the weather. Eventually, they're going to go home sick. That's what the brain does. Or another one that happened to me on the couch watching a football game rubbed my head. My wife saw, hey, what's going on? I had a headache. Need, need some aspirin or something? I'm like, sure, that's nice. So she brought me two white pills, took them. Headache went away. But then I went upstairs, looked on the counter, and there was a bottle of laxatives. <laughs> she says it was a mistake, and I'll admit the bottle did look similar to an aspirin bottle. But, you know, I still have that little doubt. Hmm, what's going on here? Is that a blunder? Is that a ninja? Do we get caught in that trap too much? Can we see what we want to see? We taste what we want to taste. We hear what we want to hear. And sometimes your brain just assumes that it's real, that it's reality, but is it? So I think the ninja part is just being aware of the brain, that it's not perfect, that it's not a hard drive, that it picks up on different things that maybe weren't even there. And the blunder part is sometimes we buy into that too much, whether it be trying to persuade ourselves or our prospect. Which brings us to our geeky, scarly article. This comes from the University of Luzon. It's in Switzerland. John Antonakis, Marika Finley, and Sue Lecce. Can charisma be taught? Remember, we're talking about the Riz at Charisma. And this is a test of two interventions. It was at the Academy of Management and Learning and Education. So this article talks about can charisma be taught? And they looked at charismatic leadership, and they said that refers to leaders who inspire and influence followers through strong verbal and nonverbal communication. So the two experiments were MBA students and actual managers in business. Both groups received training on charismatic leadership, techniques, and behaviors. And the results showed that after training, both groups improved significantly in their charisma levels based on independent observer ratings. So charisma can be taught. And I get that all the time. Can you learn it? Are you born with it? No, I do three-day trainings on this. You already have charisma skills you can polish and fine-tune. You can learn more. There's so many things that you can add and adjust to your riz. Because there's things they talked about in this article about trust and competence and your ability to influence others. And the main goal with this article is it suggests that leadership development, charisma, it takes time and effort, but it can be learned. So bottom line here, this study shows, both with MBA students and in the business world, charisma and leadership can be taught, can be improved, can be learned, and has positive impacts, not only the person learning it, but the people around them. Can anybody learn to be more charismatic? Yes. Can anybody learn to become more persuasive? Yes. Now, do be careful here. Hopefully, this doesn't come across the wrong way. I've been a sales manager many times in my career, and I've always boasted, maybe I shouldn't, that I could turn anyone into a good salesperson, into a great persuader. But some people take a lot more effort than others to get to the level of the top, say, 20%. And if I have 20 salespeople and I'm working on the one, making the one, I'm neglecting the other 19 that require probably less time, less training, less effort. So you kind of have to gauge it there to where, okay. Now, everyone can improve, they can get better. But if you're in a management role, spend time with your top producers, spend time with the people 
that can improve the fastest. You still want to spend time with the one, but you don't want to give them 80% of your time because that's not even going to give you 20% of your results. Just saying, just put it out there. But again, anybody can become more charismatic, a better leader, and more persuasive. So again, what is your Riz ranking? Where are you? What can you improve? Now, if you're like, oh, I've arrived, I'm done. I have some challenge with that. I don't think anybody's arrived. We're always working and improving these skills. We're talking about the four areas of charisma of the Riz. A few weeks ago, we talked about having better presence, being noticed when you walk in a room, being remembered. Last week, we talked about those core qualities, your inner charisma. And the third area is your delivery, your presentation, your communication skills. So a big part of that is be able to instantly synchronize with others so they want to listen, develop rapport, being more likable. Patricia Fripp once said, it's not your customer's job to remember you. It's your obligation and responsibility to make sure they don't have a chance to forget you. That's by having the riz, by having rapport, being more likable, being more memorable. Just because people are talking to you or nice to you does not mean you're developing rapport or they like you. Because when you start off with a negative first impression, first of all, the cement dries fast. Now, can you change the cement? Probably, but it's pretty hard. But if you start up with a negative perception, you only have a 15% chance of fixing that, of persuading that person. We get into that gussy chit-chat, tell me about this, and talking about things in their office, the gushy chit-chatty stuff, I guess would be the scientific term. 75% of the people interviewed didn't like that. But 99% of them didn't even stop you when they were annoyed. They just let you go on and you were going to that downward spiral, doing the anti-suasion, the anti-rapport, and not being likable. Just because they listened and smiled and pretended to care does not mean you're connecting and developing rapport. And here's a fun one. One of the major causes of employees going into a bad mood was talking to someone in management. <laughs> and of course, especially if it's upper management, you don't like, yeah, I don't like you. You put me in a bad mood. That person never knows. Like we talked about a few weeks ago, that persuasion pitfall. So your ability to develop rapport, your emotional intelligence, your ability to read people is all part of this. So what can you do here to develop more rapport? Well, let's talk about mirror matching, isopraxism. Mirror matching comes from NLP, Neuro Linguistic Programming. Basically, you're accelerating rapport. The more you can seem similar to them, mentally, physically, vocally, socially, there becomes an instant connection. Again, you're accelerating rapport. You watch two people together that have connected that rapport, their breathing rate synchronizes, their posture synchronizes, their rate of speech synchronizes. It's just part of it. It's all under the radar. So somebody like, whoa, 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 that's woo-woo. No, it's not. It's been scientifically proven. In fact, a college professor's like, wait a minute, really, does that work? And she go to different restaurants, choose someone about 10 feet away and would mirror them. Not mimic them, but mirror them. In fact, I don't even like the word mirror and matching. I like delayed similar response. Because if they touch your face, you touch your face. It's like you're a, a monkey or in a mirror. <laughs> okay, this is all under the radar. But she would mirror them. They take a bite, she'd eventually take a bite, take a drink, take a drink, wipe their face. Anyway, would mirror them under the radar, and ultimately the person would come over and say, do I know you? You seem very familiar to me. So a delayed similar response would be something more like they lean all the way back in their chair. You may wait a few seconds and lean partially back. They fold their arms, maybe just put your arms in your lap. 
They cross their legs. Maybe you just extend your legs out in front of you. So again, you're just accelerating what's naturally going to happen anyway, but speed up the process. And there's three areas here you have to look at. The first one is body language. We talked about that. Delayed similar response, body language. I would also say energy level. If you're at 10 and it's Monday morning, they're at 2, that's a disconnect. Mirror their energy and bring them up. If you were calling customer service, calling to complain, and they're like, oh, it's a great day. How are you? And you're like, dude, you're angry and upset. You got to be very careful that you mirror that person first. Otherwise, again, it's that disconnect. So we have body language, we have energy level, and then word choice. Different people use different words. Is it transportation? Is it a semi? Is it a rig? Is it the truck? I mean, try to mirror the words they use, the acronyms they use. That also causes a connection. And I'd add, too, what can help a hurt rapport is handshake. Go to the archives. We've done a full podcast on the handshake. This is why a bad handshake sets you back one hour in building rapport. You've had them before. You're like, oh, (laughs) too many pumps are too strong, too weak, too cold, too clammy, too sweaty. Lack of eye contact, grabbing your fingers. You know the drill. Just be aware a good handshake can make or break you. And now we've got this whole COVID dance thing to where are we bumping, shaking, hugging, nothing. So improve your handshake, but also take a few seconds, especially if you're influencing up to see what they're going to do and mirror that, match that. Maybe we're bumping, maybe we're doing nothing, maybe we're hugging. That's always better than an awkward, weird COVID dance. So you have to be more likable, develop rapport, but also in this section too, we talked about your presentation skills. As you know, that's a big one for me. A lot of trainings on how to create that perfect persuasive presentation. Because anybody can present, but are you persuasive? Anybody can inform, but are you influential? You've been excited to meet someone impressed, but they opened their mouth or gave a presentation. Like, oh, they're not all that. (laughs) And just because you're good at PowerPoint and can create 100 slides for a 20-minute presentation doesn't mean it's engaging. When someone comes up to you and says, hey, great presentation, you're like, you're going to do it? No, but great presentation. That would be in the failure category. Your job's not to data dump. Your job is to persuade, to get them to say yes. Because your verbal ability and your ability to present is in direct correlation with your capacity to influence others. There's a direct correlation with your upward mobility. Because a top predictor of professional success and getting that promotion, getting that raise is how much you enjoy and how good you are at public speaking, giving those presentations. It's rare that a CEO is going to get hired to communicate for the company that doesn't know how to present and has some of that riz. And that's a big shift. It used to be your writing skills in business. Now it's your presentation skills. Another interesting study is 75% of executives felt that presentation skills were three times more important than writing skills. And remember, Said this before, there's no such thing as a boring topic, only a boring presenter. Now, I'll give you some topics more challenging than others, but if you spend the time, you could make it more interesting. You've had history teachers that just, oh, oh, you hated the class. You wanted the fire alarm to go off. You didn't want to go, but you've had history teachers that made it come alive. Same topic, different presenters. You've got to spend the time to really improve your presentation skills, and that is a function of Your structure, structuring the perfect persuasive presentation, practicing, that's a huge blunder for most people. It's interesting, when you write a paper, you edit two or three times, but when you have to give a presentation, you spend all your time on creating a PowerPoint, and that's 
a whole nother topic. You can go to the archives on that one, how to use it in an influential way, because most people don't. But in speaking and presenting, your practicing is your editing. Now, I'm not talking about your weekly standard meetings, but if this is an important presentation, you better spend half your time creating and half your time practicing, because that is your editing. Because we've all been there. Well, it sounded good in my head, but it just didn't come across because you didn't edit it. That would be your practicing. And remember, what do you have? 30 seconds at the most to grab their attention, give them a reason to listen, to identify the what's in it for them, to again earn that attention, to start the captivation, the charisma, the inspiring process. Otherwise, the phones, the laptops are coming out, they're tuning you out, they're pretending to listen, and now you're in presentation mode, you're not in persuasion mode. What are the big complaints about your presentation? And I want you to pick a couple of these, at least one where, okay, I need to work on that. I've watched thousands of presentations in my life. I do executive speech coaching, and I know what the complaints are. Here's the ones that are top of the list. First one, speaking in monotone. It sounds like you don't want to be there. Maybe you don't, but speaking in monotone, that just puts us to sleep. Lack of eye contact, like you're looking at your notes, you're looking at your PowerPoint. Not enough eye contact on the audience or the person. Annoying mannerisms, like you know, always washing your hands, touching your face, touching your hair putting your hands in your pocket, anything repetitive, annoying can be a challenge. Along with the monotone, a big complaint is lack of conviction or emotion or sounding mechanical or rehearsed. All those are a function of not practicing or not caring. Rushing through the presentation, got to get through the slides. We only have an hour to do 200 slides. Okay, not persuasive. Or your nerves or fear is starting to show, which can make your audience tense and uneasy. Let me give you the big two. Coached a lot of executives on this, but I'll give you the big two right now. Probably one of these is on your list. Probably both of them. Number one, vocal fillers. Um, er, uh, you know, dude. Every culture has them. Sometimes they're a little bit different. A few here and there is not a big deal, but most people use way too much. It takes away from your perceived confidence. It annoys your audience. There's no positive thing for your vocal fillers, and you don't even know you're doing it. That's why you need to record your presentations. I know it's painful. I know it's not your favorite thing, but the camera doesn't lie because what you think happened, what really happened are two different things. I promise you. And yes, your voice sounds that way. Just own up to it. That's just how it is. And the other one is rate. Well, it's more charismatic, fast or slow. It's fast. Now, I don't want you to be a fast talker. I'm just talking about your overall average rate. You're still speeding up, you're slowing down, you're doing those, what they call pregnant pauses. Increase your all average rate. That's the number two thing we work on. Vocal fill is number one, then rate. Because what does that do? When you increase your rate, again, I don't want you to be the fast talker, the, the same fast rate all the way through, just increasing your overall average rate. What it does is your rate is more charismatic, more energetic. And the next thing is it gives your audience less time to think of counter arguments. <laughs> okay, to catch that, less time to think of counter arguments because their bandwidth is keeping up with you. I promise you, you can speed up your overall average rate and it'll make a huge difference. So what is your Riz ranking? Where do you rank? Hey, go to charismaiq.com. It's free. Take your Charisma IQ assessment. Helps you, helps me with research, and I will give you the video on how to create, craft, and deliver the perfect persuasive presentation. We talked about the don'ts. That goes into the do's. Hey, fill it out. 
helps you, helps me, and it will increase your Riz ranking. So thanks for being here. Appreciate your time and energy. Let me know what you want to hear on the podcast, but increase your charisma, increase your influence, become more likable, work on your rapport, and go out and persuade with power.